Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whiskerware Apparel. Tonight we have uh, Joe Gordon on with us from Pennsylvania. We're looking forward to a good show with him tonight. Uh, how's it going, Chuck? Yeah, winter blues just around the corner. I'm I'm very eager to, um, you know, everybody get together, good do some really good fishing, and um, get together with all of our good friends again. Oh man, winter blues is going to be an exciting tournament. Uh, you know, I, we had a I had a uh, a tournament over the weekend in Memphis, and uh, congratulations to Dave Shipman, Natalie Brooke Wilkins. Uh, on the win, that's an outstanding deal down there in a two-day tournament to be able to, to pull that off. And I want to give a shout out to Teresa and Tim Owensby and Jody Atkins. They come up and fish unfamiliar water with some of the top guys in the nation and got second place. And they wasn't very far out of out of first place after the first day, and they wasn't very far out after second place. Those guys had it going on. They done a really good job, and I'm proud to know them. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're great guys. I fished with them in a few tournaments uh, this year, and uh, can't wait to fish with them some more. Um, you know, they got a guy's name. Uh, I think his name was Shane um, Williams. I can't remember his last name, but he he was a military guy that started the Hill Jacks. Mm -hmm. um, he was a he was a very frequent uh, member of uh, Catfish One. And when he went back home to Tennessee, uh, Jody took the Hilljack Catfishing Club Trail, or whatever they're calling it now, and he's still doing great things with it. And uh, that's that's good. That's a, you know we get a lot of of uh, people sending messages, and I know you get them. I, I get tons of them. My my message box and and stuff have blowed up today, and 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 it's been really busy. But uh, you know. These guys are, are after information on tournaments and clubs and, and things like that, and I think that's a great deal because the more people we get interested in the sport, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, they, uh, you know, he, he did great things. Last year he brought, uh, he brought a hilljack tournament all the way to Lay Lake and had a, uh, a tournament up here for, the, for everybody to come fish that fishes the trail but also to benefit the guys who were going to come fish the uh, Cabela's uh, Super event the very next weekend. So, um, you know, it killed two birds with one spawn. It was like they did a field trip, you know, it was probably a couple of miles drive, a couple of hours for them. And they got, they come up here and they caught some really good fish during their tournament. Um, you know, all their pro staff, uh, their pro type anglers, they came up here the very next weekend and fished the uh, super event and did really good. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's just outstanding that you guys get to do that and, and like I say, very happy for all of them and congratulations to all the winners down there. Uh, we happen to have uh, Joseph Gordon from Pennsylvania on the show with us tonight. Uh, how's it going, Joey? Oh, it's going good. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. We uh, 
uh, you and I have known each other online for for several years and and done some some projects together and different things. And earlier this year, um, uh, Matt McIntyre had uh, sent me a message, and we talked online and on the phone and a couple different things. And he had a big project at his work that. Uh, was going on up your way and was looking for somebody to fish with and Matt's the kind of guy that he can't go a summer without fishing. Is this thing going to happen? And uh, I thought that you guys would make a good uh, a good team to fish together and I knew that that you all would, would get along really well and it, as it turned out it, it really did work out for you. Oh uh, yes sir. Uh, it was a uh, really cool uh, you know getting to fish with somebody that uh, that basically he's been doing tournaments like you like you know for probably about 14 or 15 years and that's something that's uh, still fairly new up up this way and I'm uh, starting to try and grow it and everything it's good to have somebody with that kind of perspective uh, that's been to so many and is able to share a lot of that information uh, with me and everything and it was just a it's just an awesome experience he's such a good good guy and a good guy to just go around and fish with overall, you know. So uh, I apologize he couldn't be here, but he's working on that project at work, and uh, he's working late so he can get back home to his family and get back home to fishing the, uh, you know, the Mississippi over there in Missouri and whatnot. So. Well, like I, had, you and I had discussed before the show, we was we was talking about that, and and Matt had planned on being on the show, and and uh, I told you that. Uh, as hard as good jobs are to come by these days, if a job gets in the way of being on Catfish Weekly, you need to take care of your job and your family and your priorities first, and, and Catfish Weekly will always be here. And, and Matt's the kind of guy that we would love to have on the show anytime that he feels uh, confident about being on the show. So uh, we'll, we'll get him on at a later date, and we'll just go on with with what you guys got going and I know that Chuck is just sitting there he can't wait he's got a list of questions to ask you and stuff to visit with you about so I'm gonna let him do that right now alright Joe I got a list for you man um, right. so you Matt um, teamed up with you and y'all went and tackled a tournament called the uh, the Field and Stream Classic yes sir um, which wasn't a very small tournament. There was 71 boats in it, and y'all seem to have came out on top of the leaderboard on that one. Yes, uh, sir. Tell me a little bit about this tournament, uh, how long it has been around, and what it means to Pennsylvania uh, catfishers to be able to have this type of tournament around and uh, what it meant to you to, you know, to win it. Well, sir, uh, yeah, I think that was the uh, the second year for that tournament. Uh, it was put on by by some friends of mine. Um, they ha they run that tournament, and then I have my tournament, the Steel City Catfish Classic, that I run at a later date. Uh, I don't get to fish mine, so it's good to be able that they have one that I can actually get to go fish. So uh, when we showed up, you know, there was really no indication that there'd be 71 teams. Usually, uh, the tournaments like at average about. Uh, 30, you know, maybe 35, 40 teams, and when we showed up the morning of the tournament for the uh, meeting, 71 teams there, if they announced, uh, was quite impressive. Uh, but we had a good plan. Uh, we didn't really waver from our plan. We went out there and did it, and the, the crazy thing about when you're fishing tournaments is unless you're direct contact with somebody else that's at the tournament site, you really just don't know uh, what it's going to take to win. You just 
catch as many big fish as you can and, and hope that when, when you go back, you, you know, you did pretty good. But uh, we came out on top. Uh, I think we had, uh, you know, there's no, no blue cats here, so it's going to be all channel cats and, and flatheads, and it's a daytime tournament, which makes it a little difficult because then flatheads can be kind of uh, difficult to get there in the daytime. But uh, we knew that if we got some flatheads in that first couple hours, we might have a good chance, and that's what we did. Uh, I think we had uh, a 35-pounder, a 25, and like a, an 18- or 20-pound flathead within the first hour. And then we just supplemented with some decent channel cats, and we knew we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good chance at least been in top five. That's what that was our plan. Uh, so the the tactics that y'all were working together on in the boat, it was stuff that he was already used to, and he was showing you some of his stuff, or was you showing him some of your stuff, or how was well, it going around that time? I tell you, it was a little bit of both. Um, he, uh, we went around and. Uh, since I don't really go on, a, haven't really had much experience like tournament fishing and being on a boat pier. Most of my fishing is done from the bank. Being able to get on there and see how he uses the electronics, you know, and that's a big time thing if you want to catch fish consistently. And that was like huge, you know, because now I'm able to see the things I can't see, you know, and he's showing me, you know, what I'm looking at and what I'm looking for. And so I'm telling him what I would like as far as a, a good place to catch a flyhead, and he can look in there and find it. And uh, once we're able to go out and mark some spots like that, we kind of just kind of labeled them from best to worst and had like a spot A, spot B, spot C, and spot D. And uh, I mean, basically, hey, we're going to start at spot A, but if first you know 20 minutes or so we don't get anything, we're going to move spot beaks we only got that first couple hours to try and get some decent flatheads if we're going to try and win so um, as far as tactics uh, really the only change from from what I learned from going out to monsters is you don't you can't uh, there's not so much current up here it's kind of like fishing monsters in that respect but you don't do a whole lot of uh, you know everything's anchored up and you're just basically you're finding your structure and you, you're hoping that they're going to be there the first couple hours and you're fishing up right above the, the structure and right into it trying to pull them up out but uh... and that's something he's done down there before so uh... It wasn't nothing that much different but the biggest thing was him his use of the electronics on the boat uh... and showing me you know how they're using those electronics nowadays to catch fish that was a huge huge thing and it gave us a big advantage in the tournament what river system was this on? It's on the Ohio River, but it's right at the right at the start of the Ohio. Um, this this area used to have blue cats a long time ago. Um, used to have a lot of different fish, uh, but in the industrial age, in like the 30s, 40s, uh, with all the factories that were here, the steel mills that were basically you know uh, running the war effort and everything <coughs> in, the, in the 40s, uh, it killed off almost everything. And so, really, all it was left was like some maybe carp and you know brown bullheads and stuff like that. Um, the the blue cats were <coughs> basically were killed off because their forage fish were killed off, and uh, they just never restocked them. Uh, I think they did restock uh, in the early '80s flatheads just to help control pop fish populations, but they never did restock blues, so they still don't have them here. Okay, the. Uh Field and Stream, the the magazine themselves uh, sponsored this tournament. Is that who it was named after, or was it come from another uh, totally different? 
Well, in interesting fact, Field and Stream Store, Field and Stream Magazine, completely separate entities, don't have one, nothing to do with one another, believe it or not. I didn't know that until this past summer. I did a video shoot with the, the magazine. Uh, but uh, it was the store, the guy who, Ben Sladek is his name, and he works at the, they have, they have a store up in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, and they help him to put on his tournament. So it's a Field and Stream Store, and I believe that's actually owned by Dick Sporting Goods. Okay. Um, so this was the second year for it. Um, mm -hmm. Has there any been any other type catfish events uh, that have been held around the Pennsylvania area within you know throughout the years that um, you know was able just to come together and make an event like this? Was there separate trails or has this just been something that growed over just a couple of years? Um. When I did my tournament, it was like the first, I would say, more of a big money t uh, catfish tournament. Uh, and then now we have a couple others popping up, such as that one. Um, before that, you had a lot of uh, kind of, it's a weekend day, you know, 20 bucks a team. You know, you get some people, you know, show up and, you know, you have like a like a tournament like that. And, and that's great and everything, but... Uh, the way they do the weigh-ins, it's mostly just channel cats, and that's awesome too. But the way I looked at it is, why not try to go after the big ones? You know, why not have a weigh-in where you get, you know, big flatheads involved and and uh, put get some money and, and some sponsorship involved? And that's what I I started in 2013 with my Steel City Catfish Classic tournament. And then I and I, that kind of happened a couple years after I started my club back in 2011 after getting out of the army. And uh, since then, you know, I've been contacted. It's it's growing exponentially with the rest of the sport. It's just that, and and it, whenever you get to talk to Matt, it, I explained it to him like this: this area, because it's it's trout is king. Uh, it's almost probably what it was like back in uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, catfishing was like out out west more. You know, you have a lot of people that are interested and they're starting to get the gear and they're starting to figure things out, you know, but you don't have the, a lot of the specialized uh, big catfish boats here. You know, you don't have, a, uh, you know, the tournament trails, you know, the support stuff like that. And uh, But it's growing, and, and, and it, uh, as you can see, within two years to have a tournament with 71 teams is pretty impressive. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's growing for sure. Okay, um, me and you talked about this at the uh, Monsters of Ohio at the weigh-in. We talked forever. Um, <laughs> let, let's hear about, you know, some of the places you were stationed at and was able to catfish during your, um, you know, military. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, the way I got into it, I grew up here in, in PA, so like I said, smallmouth and trout is what I was raised on. So uh, my last two couple years in military, I was actually uh, – out in Fort Leonardwood, and that's where I did my basic and everything. And uh, I had a buddy, really good guy. He uh, he was into catfishing, uh, and uh, he was pretty happy to be stationed there because he was telling me how good it was to catfish there and here and there. And we got into some arguments about it, you know, like I'm sure a lot of cat guys get with other you know guys from fishing for other species. And uh, he said, you know what, I'm not I'm done talking about it. If you want to come out, I'll take you out, and you'll like it. I guarantee it. And sure as heck. He took me out on the, I think on the Missouri River, if I'm not mistaken, and, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I really, I caught a, uh, 
I think I, I caught a flathead, and it wasn't all that big, but to me it was pretty big. It was probably about 15 or 16 pounds, and uh, he basically, he, you know, he was. I wasn't used to using that heavy a tackle and everything, so I think he even cast the rod out for me. And uh, I, I was like, wow, I can't. this is awesome. He's like, ah, it's small. We could use that for bait if we wanted to. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, after that I was like, this is really cool. I went out with him, you know, a couple more times. But unfortunately, when it's time to get out and leave, it's time to get out and leave. And uh, came back to uh, Pennsylvania, and I was fortunate enough to be able to move where I wanted. And not really thinking of anything catfishing in mind, I wanted to live in Pittsburgh. Promised my wife I'd live close to the city because I come from Podunk, nowhere. And uh, went there, and lo and behold, I do a little bit of research and find out, man, they got these catfish here. I can fish them right here, you know. So I get to follow my stealers and fish for catfish. This is awesome, you know. And uh, I started getting into it and uh, get my own tackle and everything. And of course, there's a lot of growing pains involved, a lot of like embarrassing moments when you first start using a, a bait casting reel. And you know, as sure as everybody can attest, the first time you try to zing a big bait heavy weight out there, and it balloons up and you look kind of stupid. But uh, it's it's been great. There's been so many great people involved. And uh, I really just can't say enough about it. It's so cool. Uh, that's when I decided, you know what, uh, there's so many great people. And the Internet's really, uh, I think, what's helping the sport grow so fast is a clear group of people that are uh, Internet savvy to use it to our advantage. And uh, I started my club, and the rest is kind of history, yeah? So uh, when you started your club up after you got back, um how rapidly did it uh, grow? You know, where'd y'all start at with a, a number amount of people showing up and participating, and and to where is it at now? Well, yeah, I mean, I had a group of probably about fifteen or twenty people that I would fish with on a on a pretty regular basis, and some of those guys, I mean, they've been fishing here for these fish for like forty years, uh, for a long time, and uh, and you know, so I really looked to them for guidance when I first started. But, you know, being a young guy and kind of like, you know what, if it isn't there, you know, that kind of army mentality, if it isn't there, I'll make it. If i got to get over it, I'll get over it, you know, kind of thing. That's why I started the club because there wasn't one, and I wanted one. Um, but the first year, there was probably only about 30 or 40 people involved. But, you know, the more you go out fishing and you meet people and you share some information, you maybe share a, a piece of tackle that, you know, that they don't know about or, or show them something they didn't know. Well, that really uh, – and I think that's why, you know, why the sport's growing, too, and the sharing of information. And that really shows them, like, oh, wow, this is cool. I'd like to be able to get information like this all the time. And I'm like, well, here's how you do it, man. I got this club I run. You get on there, and you can talk to people, you know, about this stuff and get the information and uh, share it yourself. And that's how it, how it grows. And uh, this is, uh, let's see, started in 2011, so this is about almost year five. Uh, on the books officially, there's over 100 and some members. Um, there's usually about 15 to 20 people that will show up to a given gathering, dependent. You know, not everybody can, you know, work-related and, and stuff like that. And and the cool thing is not everybody that's in the club is actually from right here. There's people from this state. There's people from other states that are involved in everything and uh, share information. So it's really cool. Okay. Uh, tell us about your little... Um TV episode you had on the cooking channel. Um, that's the first time I ever seen you, and 
y'all had a small little fishing trip and then cooked some fish and you was on TV and I'm like, man, these guys got it going on. They're sitting there talking about CPR, conservation and such on the cooking channel. And, uh, you know, they're even going to cook up some meters with this kick butt batter that they're whipping up here. And this is going to be a good show. And I really enjoyed that show. Yeah, and uh, it kind of happened just, you know, kind of weird. I, I'm no better fisherman really than most other guys. That the only thing that's unique is that you got catfishing being done right in the city. And so uh, I was out with my wife one day, and I get a call from a guy saying he's an outdoors writer. And that's something I had done a couple interviews for newspapers and stuff. And so originally that's what I thought that phone call was going to be about. And he's asking me questions. Eventually, he says, have you ever heard of the uh, Travel Channel? I said, well, yeah. He goes, have you ever seen Bizarre Foods? And I said, yeah, I've been watching it since it came on the air in 2007. Me and my wife love that show. you know." And uh, he said, well, I'm calling you as a third party for this show. Would you mind if one of their producers called you and asked you some questions? And I said, no. And at that point, I'm kind of thinking, okay, somebody's put me on now. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not thinking I'm going to get a call thought somebody was playing a good one on me and uh, later I'm out eating lunch with my wife and I get a call from a, a nice young lady from uh, calling from Minnesota and uh, I, I did some research and knew that that's where his, uh, the headquarters for the show was out of and uh, from there they asked me some questions and said you know what uh, I, th I think we want to do this and uh, I kind of set everything up I went down and took pictures of where we'd be fishing so they could have some meetings about it and uh, made it happen. The, one of the things when they showed up, it was cool to meet somebody you see on TV, Bizarre Foods America, Andrew Zimmern, and they show up and you, we filmed it backwards. So uh, I had a couple eaters that I went out and caught just to be sure and I was keeping them alive in the bait tank and uh, so we actually filmed the cooking and the eating part first in the daylight and then that night we went out and we had one one take to do it and so I was like man this could really go bad because it's fishing. You never know. And, That's right. Uh, you know, but I told him. I said, I think it's going to be good. It looks like we got a nice low pressure system. Got some clouds going on, just on the verge of rain, but not not quite. And uh, I took him to a spot more for the scenery than you know than the fishing because it, every shot that you get to see in that in that show is pretty cool looking. You get the stadiums and the city in the background. And uh, luckily, you know, put him on it like pretty close to about 19, close to 20 pound fish. And right away, within the first 15 minutes, we got it. And I just thrown out a, a cut chunk of bluegill because I thought, you know, that's going to be. They usually find it pretty fast. And uh, he let grabbed, gave him the rod, and said, "Go to town." And they cut out a lot of the fight. It was a little bit longer what they make it out to be, but uh, I was pretty, pretty stoked we got that. And then we even caught a couple little eaters there to make it even pretty seamless. And I, I told them beforehand, look. If anything else that you cut out during editing, because I can't control what you guys edit out, please, please, please keep in the part about CPR because that's like the biggest thing. I said I really don't feel comfortable doing a show about eating fish and catching fish if you guys aren't going to make sure that you you basically emphasize that the big fish like this, they, the breeding fish, get put back in. And it, it, really, if you're going to be eating them, you need to be eating the smaller, 10 pounds, 9 pounds and under, which is still a lot of fish. It fed that whole crew. Uh, for sure, and uh, you know, I'm so happy when I got to see the episode a couple months later, and they, and they kept that part in there because we filmed all day. You only get to see five minutes. 
Oh yeah, man, it was great, and uh, I can't remember who put on there. I think it was uh, Sites. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, Sites. He, he posted and he said, "I'm gonna be on Cooking Channel in 15 minutes, uh, doing a catfish show." And I'm like, "What? What's this all about?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I flicked it on there and I watched it, and it was a great show. I really enjoyed it, and you know, y'all too. Uh, you know, cooking together and doing that little fishing together, and it was great. It was intimidating, you know, because that guy's a chef and he's on TV, and I just I have a you know some pretty plain Jane recipe, beer batter and and stuff, and I'm there cooking in front of him, kind of nervous and everything. So, uh, it, you know, didn't, luckily they didn't film me cooking too much, so uh, it was good. Oh, he he was raving on it. He loved the way it tasted. <laughs> That dip that he made on there, I actually had that recipe. It's it's really good. It's really good. And then I, I did a show recently too. It was pretty cool. Okay, um, tell us about the uh, the rivers. You did us a little map up. I asked you to do, and uh, you know most of flatheads in Pennsylvania, maybe all of them, uh, you can tell them more about that are not native to Pennsylvania. Um, you know, and they started becoming a problem after a while, and they were thinking about that they wanted to start, uh, you know, wiping them out and all this. And then they just turned around, changed their mind, and said, "We might as well just uh, work with what we got, and let's try to make it a sport, sport fish, and we'll just keep them around." Um, if you would tell us some of the rivers and the situation, how this handled, and what rivers they're in, and uh, how well they're doing there now. All right. So uh, I'll hold up a map here and talk while I do it here. Hopefully you guys let me know if that's good right there. Is that good? Yeah, move it back just a little bit, and, uh, yeah, that's fine. Up a little bit. Yeah, that's good. All right. So the only place that, that they're really native is over here on the western side right here, and it's Ohio River Basin. That's where they're originally native. Okay, so these other spots where I have it highlighted here and here, they're invasive species technically. Uh, they probably just showed up. They started catching about 15, 15 years ago, and uh, so you got the the biggest river over here. The hot spot's going to be the Susquehanna, uh, and uh, not the whole way, but about midway up, and about there's a I guess there's a dam by somewhere you can catch them down by, and then over here. You got the Delaware and the Schuylkill, and uh, they're there as well. And uh, they're growing exponentially over there. And those two spots in particular, they started to try to eradicate them because in fear of them uh, eating all the smallmouth, which is a big uh, uh, thing for them over there, the smallmouth fishery. And uh, eventually they realized they're in there so thick that uh, you're not going to be able to get them out anyway, so it's pretty much a waste of money and time. So they've kind of embraced them, you know. The DNR has been kind of advertising them as a good table fare for the smaller ones and the bigger ones. They're basically trophy fish that you can go catch, you know, real big fish. And you got groups of people. Uh, my partner for the Monster in Ohio, Glenn Orr, you know, specifically, he's been running a guide service over there in Susquehanna the last couple of years, and he even started up a, a pretty cool tournament series over there, a Catfish Mafia tournament series, and. Uh, Heck, I even did a show that's on Field and Stream's Hook Shots channel. It was Pittsburgh versus Philadelphia, and they were catching them over here in the Schuylkill, 
and we were catching them over here in Ohio. We did like a Pittsburgh versus Philly showdown on the on the show. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, they're they're there, and where I have it circled is probably like the hotter spots, and uh, you can probably catch them everywhere there that I have highlighted though. And uh, yeah, I mean channel cats are native throughout the whole whole state. If you want to catch channel cats, you can do that just about anywhere in the state. And they got some bigger ones in some of the lakes that are in the state too. But uh, that's uh, that's where the flatheads are at, right there. Awesome. So uh, is the state record flathead? Is it out of the uh, out of a river sister where they're native or non-native? Uh, it's out of Blue Marsh Lake, and I'm not sure if that's a native spot or not. I I think it is. I think they would have said something about it uh, if it wasn't when I read about it. But it actually comes out of like a reservoir. Uh, towards the western part of the state. Uh, but, so what uh, that's about Channel Cat, uh, state record Channel Cat? Where, where, what type of waters did it come out of? Uh, I think it came out of one of the rivers, but it's pretty. It's 35 pounds. It's a, it's a pretty decent Channel Cat. Uh, I've never seen one that big. <laughs> uh, I know they get them that big in some of the reservoirs out west, and there's some lakes where they catch 20s pretty regularly around here. And I've seen quite a few of those, but. Uh, yeah, the 35 pounds, and I, I, I'd have to go look it up exactly. I know that uh, I think pretty sure it came out of one of the rivers. I think yeah. it's probably Upper Allegheny or something. Yeah, um, you know, we was talking about my buddy Marty Russell. He's a he's a fellow veteran uh, veteran of uh, Desert Storm with me. We was stationed together in Germany and in Fort Benning. Uh, we was in Desert Storm together. He's a big. Um, American Legion. He's been over the American Legion up in his hometown for uh, for many years. He he's puts in everything he has into helping veterans. Uh, we we did a lot of fishing on the Chattahoochee River in in uh, Columbus, Georgia, and he was hooked on flatheads and uh, did not want to go home. He <laughs> wanted to try to find a job down here so we could fish. Um, and he is going to be excited. He probably don't even know that they're 15 miles from his house. We just figured that out a while ago, and I'm going to call him later, and I'm going to tell him all about it, and he's going to be, because uh, he's always telling me, man, you're making me sick posting these pictures, and I'll be posting a 20-pound fish, and he goes, we don't have those up here. Don't even show them. <coughs> so um, when he sees that there's 40- and 50-pound flatheads 15 miles from his house, He's going to be very happy, I believe, and he probably don't even know it. Oh yeah, he'll be out there as soon as it gets warm. I'm sure, you know, throwing something below that dam. <laughs> That's going to be great. All right, Lyle, um, I'm going to pass him over to you. I'm sure I might have a couple of things pop up here at the end, but I know sure. you're ready. Absolutely, uh, Joe. Uh, Brad Bex would like to know what kind of bait you guys was catching those flatheads on up there. Uh, we were using basically like uh, we had some suckers, and I think that was probably the thing we caught most, like sucker heads. Uh, we were using all cup bait that morning. Uh, usually, if I'm going to stay out all night, if I can get uh, a decent size uh, like live suckers or you know live bluegill is is good because I'm not saying it's the best bait, but it might be the easiest bait to keep alive and to get you know be able to transport and you know and use. Um, Suckers, I've used drum, which are easy to catch up here. Um, so it's just stuff like that, nothing super fancy or anything. Okay, good. Uh, Chris Jenkins had left a message on here that it, he says it's a huge adjustment going to a boat 
and having electronics from bank fishing, uh, he's making that adjustment now himself, and I, and I know that to be true because Chris has just recently bought a boat and started fishing a few tournaments, and he's been very successful, and we're very happy for him. Uh, how much difference was it when when you started fishing with Matt and he started turning you on to all this stuff that he does? Because uh, let's face it, Matt McIntyre is one of the premier fishermen in our area, and when he shows up to a tournament, you know he's one of the guys that you're going to have to beat uh, to get in the money. So I know that he had a lot of stuff that he probably shared with you guys after fishing all summer. And, and uh, how much of an adjustment was that for you? Well. It's definitely an adjustment because uh, there's a lot more uh, involved. And, you know, fishing from a bank, you're, you basically you find your spot and you're kind of stuck with that spot where you can get to. And then you got to haul your gear and everything, but you're basically married to that spot. So you're going to sit there probably whether they're biting it or not until a certain time. And then you catch something, you catch something, you don't, you don't. Now you try to look and pick a good spot out and have good bait. But the biggest difference is going and you really, you might have an idea what's under the water. You may even have a friend of the boat that kind of told you something's under the water. But when you're out there and you're looking and you're seeing, with, especially with the newer technology, I mean, you see everything. You know, you could pick out fish suspended. You can see tires. You can see old old uh, debris of barges. Uh, and it, it, that's so beneficial. And the, the great thing about having him is I probably – Leap ten years of of have of experience because he's not on my not only am I seeing what's there but he's telling me okay you see this this here this is where they're going to be around something like that um, or if the river's like this you know I would fish this kind of this kind of structure but if it's like this I would probably bypass that and fish this other structure and so just having some and be able to look at look at something like that with somebody like him. And have him share that kind of information. With me, I mean, you can't put a price tag on it. And, and you, let's face it. I mean, it's just good. Once you get to know somebody, got their fish, it's just fun. That's why we do this, you know. But uh, like I said, as far as uh, making that adjustment, he made it. Probably, I probably wouldn't be able to go and do the things I was uh, without having somebody like him, you know, in the boat with me telling me these things. Because, like I said, for like somebody like Chris, if I was just jumping in there and and looking at it myself. There's obviously going to be an even steeper learning curve because you not only do you see it, but now you got to go fish it and you get the experience yourself, rather than having somebody that has the experience share that with you. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely an experience. But I got I got help. Luckily, I had a lot of help this summer. So uh, when I get my boat and uh, get going over here, I, hopefully I got a little bit of a head start. Oh, absolutely. You know. You was uh, telling us a while ago, and I, I have to make notes because I forget stuff, but uh, that you had 71 teams in that tournament, and that tells me that in your area there's a need for catfish tournaments, not only uh, to have uh, the tournaments in that area, but people want to be there. If they've only had them for two years and you had 71 teams entered in that particular tournament, that area is in need of somebody running quality tournaments and putting on a good show for these people to go to. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I've been trying to uh, do what I can. Like I called you, I think it was maybe early 2013, late 2012, and started picking your brain because I wanted to start doing tournaments and start asking, you know, folks like yourself that have been doing tournaments for a while, hey, what's the best way to do this? You know, uh, how do you do this? How do you do that? What happens about this? And uh, 
uh, thankfully I had great people like yourself and uh, you know the kind of share information with me uh, and so for me doing my tournaments and he did a great job of, of marketing that tournament a really great job the advertisement and everything but hopefully we get you know uh, we try to cooperate with each other and excuse me try to grow it uh, to where it needs to be absolutely uh, we're, we're, we're working on it <laughs> uh, is is that the biggest tournament in your area that's been held up there? I, I believe it's probably the biggest that's been up here. Uh, yeah, probably. Now, are they coming back to that area for for the third year? Uh, I don't know. I think they're having meetings right now. I I, I spoke with the gentleman that runs it uh, briefly, just uh, sharing some information <laughs> and uh, maybe talking about teaming up. You know, we we're trying to talk about possibly starting a tournament trail. You know, but uh, it could be an issue. You know, with trying to, it's hard enough to do a tournament or two, but sometimes you know the tournament trail. Now you're talking about, okay, how we fund it. You know, what about sponsors and stuff? So we're in talks about doing stuff like that, but it, you know, it takes time and uh, some cooperation to get stuff like that done. It really does, and and uh, to my knowledge, and I could be off on this because I'm not in that area, but. I don't remember seeing or hearing about any um, national events being put on in Pennsylvania. Now, maybe there has been a Cabela's or a Bass Pro or, or something like that up there that I'm not aware of, but uh, if there has not been, uh, you guys have the opportunity now to really jump on this and make it a big thing. Well, maybe I need to contact the fo folks at Bass Pro because they put a uh, – um, a BASS tournament on at Pittsburgh when I first moved up here and uh, they put it on right off the North Shore right in front of Heinz Field and uh, there, there's a launch up there you could literally launch probably about 15 or 16 boats at once and uh, there's obviously plenty of parking because of the stadium so it has the ability and you can fish three different rivers there too uh, so it definitely has the ability to, to, to do something like that and I think you could probably have close to, you know, probably well over 100 teams, if, you know, somebody like that were to get involved up here. And uh, the problem I have and, and some of the other people is we're just us, you know, and we uh, kind of fund everything kind of out of our own pocketbook, so to speak, and that can be a little t tough when you're, you know, you got a family and you try to explain to your wife why you're spending, you know, a couple hundred bucks on this or, or that to do a tournament, you know, and uh, – but uh, – it would have to have somebody like that involved because uh, unlike some other places, Pittsburgh, they kind of want money to use those areas instead of helping you out. Uh, so uh, we're working we're working on stuff like that. We've been talking about doing a tournament there because that's, that's the best location uh, probably in a wide, wide range over here, just that right off the North Shore. It's built for it, really. Well, that's outstanding, and I, I'm really glad that you guys are putting that together. Like I said, uh, if you're uh, getting 71 teams to show up for a tournament, uh, I'm not sure what the entry and stuff was on it, but it doesn't matter. 71 teams is 71 teams. You're looking at 140 people minimum uh, mm -hmm. that, that are taking their time out to come fish for catfish, and I, I would be surprised if there was any great number of other fishing tournaments that would – have that many more boats than that. That's just a really good turnout. Oh, it was uh, it was pretty impressive, and uh, the only thing I've seen better than that so far. I mean, when I went out there at Monsters and saw that, and uh, you know, 182, what it was, that was uh, <laughs> yeah. 
that's pretty crazy. Uh, but it, I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy, and you think that it's going to be how how could they possibly manage something so big? But then you watch them; it's it was so impressive and how how well managed that was. I mean, I was in awe. You know, I still I, I remember sitting out on the boat with everybody, you know, waiting, and I'm thinking, I, did I just watch 182 boats get put in the water? <laughs> this is yeah. this is insane. Yeah, well, and it is, and and Aaron has been doing this for what five years now or six, and uh, he has not only does he do a great job, but he has some of the best people helping him put that event on, and and. A lot of people don't understand how much work it is involved in doing tournaments unless they jump in and, and, and try to help out on one or try to do them yourself. And, and what you have to have is a bunch of, of donated labor uh, people that are willing to come in there and help you and not want paid a bunch of money to do it because, uh, let's face it, if you do that, you have to pay for it somehow. The pay the to pay people. We used to pay people to to uh, uh, sit at the boat ramp, uh, night tournaments and day tournaments and stuff, and and weigh fish. If somebody got a fish in trouble, well, you got to pay them. So we was paying them a hundred dollars. Well, right away that comes right off of the top of your prize money, and people would get mad about that. Well, we was trying to fish the tournaments and work them and and do all the stuff and it got to the point where it just got so big that we had to quit fishing the tournaments and run them uh, and, and we donated all of our time and money and stuff into it and I didn't really didn't mind that because it was so much fun but it, it, there comes a point when it has to you have to at least break even on what you do to be able to do that and, and most of the smaller trails are not like the big the big trails and people are trying to make money off of them. Most of the smaller play, the trails are just trying uh, to have a quality tournament that people will come and watch the way in and and uh, uh, fish the tournaments and everybody have a good time. But it's it's kind of got to the point now to where, um, I hate to say this, but you really almost got to get big or, or just stay small. There, there's no such thing as an intermediate type thing. It just has to be... Uh, uh, big or little, and there's nothing wrong with the little tournaments. I love fishing those small tournaments. One of the best things that we, Cindy and I, done for years was uh, uh, the tournament that they have over in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Tom and Timmy Walsh and some other guys put on over there, and, and they got flatheads over there, and they got some small blues. I haven't heard of any giant blues coming out there, but they got good flatheads, and it's basically a channel cat tournament and I'm telling you it's the most fun you can have it don't cost a lot of money uh, and it's just a blast and some of the greatest people in the the, the sport of catfish and fish them tournaments I mean and, and you're competing against world-class guys you know Tom and Timmy Walsh has laid it on to people this year in some of the tournaments they went to fish the, the Cabela's tournament out on the East Coast and done really well they uh, they come over here and fish a lot of the, the tournaments on the, the Mississippi, the Missouri River, and all over Illinois. And you got Mark Farrell that fishes them, and Joe Lucky, and Jerry Klein. I mean, you're not going to fish against uh, any tougher bunch of guys than you will right there. And they all love catching channel cat. And and when you go to a tournament like that, you know Doug Rice is going to be there, and he's the channel cat king. I mean, uh, that's just the way it is. <laughs> you know, these guys got national sponsors. You're talking about people sponsored by Cabela's and Twisted uh, TWC and uh, whoever else it is. It doesn't matter. I mean, 
you, if you go to a tournament, whether it be a Channel Cat tournament or a Flathead tournament or a tournament where there's giant blues, if you're in that tournament to catch the biggest fish in that area, you will succeed. That's what it takes to win them. It just that's just the way I look at it. You know, what's great about what you just said there is you got these guys at these national sponsors, but they still haven't forgot where they came from and how it kind of all started. And I, I, it had to have started with just small tournaments, just like you're talking about. And you know, you had a couple entities, you know, got lucky here or there, and say, you know, we can kind of make this bigger and bigger. And as it grew, so did the tournament and whatnot. And like I said here. I can guarantee you I don't make any money from what I do. I don't think the other guy does either. And it's right. purely for the growth of the sport and, and for, for love of what we're doing here. And I, I honestly believe that this is a good enough place with, with enough people interested that it can grow here, and that's why I do what I do. Um, and like I said, I've been blessed and impressed uh, to run my, my tournament, my Steel City Catfish Classic. And like I said... I'm all about there being some other big tournaments here because otherwise I won't ever get to fish. Because <laughs> well, I, right. I don't get to fish my tournament. So, uh, right. you know, I, I'm like Aaron Weaver. <laughs> I have to stay back and run <laughs> run things. So, uh, I'm, luckily, there's other big ones to go and, uh, and go and fish. Otherwise, I'm stuck watching everybody else catch all the fish. Well, and that's exactly right. And that's where the point we got to. And that's when I, you know, it, it, and it's just like everything for us. Whenever it ceases to be fun, that's when I'm done doing it. And the catfishing tournament got to be more work than it was fun, and that's when we uh, got Alex Nagy to run the tournaments. And I got to tell you, Alex is a godsend. He has absolutely done wonderful things with the little tournament series that we started. We're so happy for what he's done and proud of what he's done that it's unbelievable. And and uh, he'll do great things running tournaments. He's just got the ambition and he's got the drive to do it. And and I had got away from it just simply because I didn't want to work that hard. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, with with what I do and and doing this show and different things, there comes a time when there's there's not enough time, and and I'm glad that you guys have the time in your area to put these tournaments on because if you're having 71 teams, the payouts will continue to grow. The next thing you know, you're going to get guys from Maryland and and uh, Washington D.C. and Virginia and places show up to your tournaments, and and when that happens and they start talking about it, the next thing you know, you'll get a a guy from South Carolina and one from Illinois and one from Ohio, and pretty soon you'll be in the same boat that everybody else is. You'll be dragging in the guys to fish these tournaments. I'll tell you, something that speaks to the character of people, uh, one, the 71-team tournament, uh, like I said, Ben Sladek put on at Field Stream Classic, most of the proceeds uh, went to Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, and that was advertised as such, so everybody that got in there knew what was going on with that. The other thing about you know Matt McIntyre, the guy I've fished with and, uh, all summer, I'll be sad to see him go. But I'll be happy for him to get to see his family. But before we started the tournament, he said, "Listen, this is for, you know, a charity. So we're going to at least give some of the money that if we if we win, we're going to give some of the money back to the charity. We're not just going to take the money and run." And uh, I mean, he was true to his word. He, and I said, "Look, whatever you do," he, he basically put it. He said, "That's what he's doing with his half." He said, "I can do what I want." I said, "Whatever you do, I'll do." So I'll take your lead. However much you think we should get back, that's how much we'll get back. I'm, I'm no problem with that whatsoever. It's awesome. And uh, sure, you know, sure enough, we gave $300 of the purse right back, and it was, you know, they were so tickled that, you know, you, you thought we'd just uh, give them winning lottery ticket or something, you know. But, uh, it, you know, this sport is so awesome. You know, is this stuff? It, there's one thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know if we're running out of time or not. Before we got off of here, I wrote some notes down, um, gentlemen. As far as these tournaments and stuff, we are kind of under attack, and unfortunately, 
it's the product of of our hard work and uh, growing the sport. We've made it popular to the point where you have uh, people trying to profit from it in a way that it hurts everybody else that's doing this, and that's the people that are stealing fish and putting them in pay lakes and, and stuff. And uh, you know that's something. And then you also there's a, another attack coming from the uh, I believe is it Maryland that's doing that down there in the James and the uh, Potomac, Virginia, Virginia, yeah, Virginia, and uh, so. You have a lot of the the big trophy fish that are being eradicated or taken and thrown into a basically. I mean, let's face it; it's a it's a big pond, and uh, they can come up with whatever they want. I've seen pictures. I'm not here to, to tell them that you know that you can't fish in a pay lake. What I'm saying is, take taking these big big fish out of the river the way they're doing, and putting them in these lakes, and then they die off, and they have to keep doing it year after year. It's 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 a non it's a renewable resource resource if you take care of it and that is a mismanagement of a resource and if you mismanage a resource long enough it will no longer be there so these tournaments that we're talking about having they're going to start to go away if there's nothing to fish for you know so uh, that's something that's uh, going on and I know you guys have talked about it talked about last week in your that awesome show that I could broke your guys chat room uh, wanting to talk to the dance that's, that's hard to that's a hard act to follow you know, well, it really is. <laughs> you know, and, and when you're when you get to talking about that, I kind of uh, was going to lay off of it because we are on them guys a lot. But when them guys start talking about uh, them blues and flatheads being invasive species, and they never was in that river, well, they put them in there, and they've oh, been yeah. in there long enough now that they can't be classified as an invasive species. When you stock that place with those fish, they then become a natural predator uh, and deserve the opportunity to live and survive like everything else. And this this stuff of them guys going in there and shocking these fish and, and loading them up in boats and taking them out of there, um, whatever laws they can pass and however harshly they can prosecute those people, they need to do that instead of worried about trying to clean those areas out of fish that they stocked to begin with. I mean, I've seen this happen before a long, long time ago. If you go through history, alligator gar were uh, indigenous to almost all over the United States. And now, while I'm not a huge, you know, big, I guess uh, if it was a gar tournament down there in Monster High, I probably won that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had but, a dandy. He really did. I mean, we were catching them left and right, but uh, <laughs> part, of, part of the problem. But, uh yeah, uh, people were afraid of them just because of how they looked, and they went and did the same thing. These big boats with the, the lines down the water, shocking, killing them, piling them up on banks, and they basically got rid of them, except for down, I think, was it just the part of Texas now they have them? Right. But uh, come to find out, they do research and they, they learn a little bit. These things have never really attacked any a person. You know, when you look at them sitting in that Bass Pro Shop here in Springfield, they look like one of the most docile fish you're ever going to see, you know. They're only nasty looking when you have them up on a boat and they're trying to get back in the water. So, uh, you know, it's just sad that they're not seeing a resource for what it is. I mean, they could really take advantage of it or they can squander it. I mean, I saw the pictures of the, uh, what are they, the uh, gillnets, where they had a bunch of other species trapped in there too. Exactly. I mean, what, <laughs> what good is that doing anybody? Well, to start with, the gill net, when, when they catch them things and mess up them gills, it doesn't matter if it's a catfish or a sturgeon or whatever it is. Once them things get in them gills, them fish are going to die. 
uh, it doesn't matter if it's something that you're legally allowed to take out or whether it's not, the fish is going to die. That is their breathing apparatus. That's like taking your nose off your face. Once it's gone, uh, once it's destroyed, you can't breathe and they can't either. So whatever they get in that gill net, th those gill nets should be outlawed for anything other than catching bait. I mean, that's Largemouth bass. They kill largemouth bass. They kill largemouth bass. If people would figure that out, they would be gone in a minute. That's exactly right because bass is, is the number one thing nationwide uh, that people want to protect and catfish, is, and I don't know about this all over the United States, but in my state of Missouri, catfish is the number one sport fish fish for statewide, and it's not by just a little bit. It's by a huge margin. And that's why it's so important to me that we take care of this resource. And that's why I'm on uh, uh, the Department of Natural Resources, not Department, Missouri Department of Conversation, uh, Con Conservation. I'm on them guys all the time, and I'm not on them nearly enough because I don't have enough people backing me up to get these regulations passed like they passed on the lakes. Those regulations should have been put on the river systems where they needed long before they was ever put on those lakes. Not that the lakes don't need them. But these guys are commercial fishing these 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 breeding size fish and and these clowns know what they're doing. Uh, they're coming from states away now. As regulations get passed in in Indiana and Ohio and Illinois and different places, they come to Missouri because Missouri has the most boat ramps, uh, makes it easy accessible to the Mississippi River, and they're they're taking my, my fish out and hauling them across state lines and I promise you if you haul a live deer or a live rabbit across the state line you're going to jail it's just that simple and it's no different with a catfish that's a live animal coming out of of Missouri and if it crosses the state lines you should be in jail like you would be if it was any other wildlife so Missouri needs to step up and I've brought this up many times in the Missouri Department of Conservation needs to get on it and get this done. I know they're doing studies and I know those studies takes time but with everybody else doing it and everybody else realizing what is happening it's time to get on with it, quit fooling around and make this 34 inch rule and slot limits and stuff go into effect to, produce, to protect these breeding size fish. Do you, uh, hey Lyle, do you ever um, like have any or put out any invites to the people that are actually the people that are voting on these laws to like some of the tournaments or anything like that? Well, number one, in our state, there is a group of people that make the decisions. Um, it's not actually done. They have a four or six uh, group people that, that make the decisions, and they won't even tell you their names for the most part. You have to really research and find it. Uh, and that's all good, but, you know, when... I shouldn't got on this subject because I, I'm going to be hard to handle now, but, you know, they brought a law into effect. Missouri is a very populated area. It has a lot of farming ground, too, but they actually brought elk in and trying to restock elk in the state of Missouri. There's too many people for that. What the, what the hell are these guys thinking? But yet they let these people rape the rivers and take these catfish out to other states and put in pay lakes. I just, for the life of me, I don't know. I, I think that they, they must have skipped school or something because that's just the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Uh, right. just blows my mind. But, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. They're not benefiting from that at all. No. You know? No, and it's not in every area. It's not in every area. They have select areas to do it, and that's all fine and good. Uh, but can, can you imagine 
what devastate you know I've been hunting in Colorado I went elk hunting out there and these farmers they put these huge fences around their haystock and these these elk will come in there when the snow gets high and they'll just trample them fences down and eat all their hay and they can't feed their cattle and if if there was ever any kind of population in the state of Missouri I can't imagine hitting one of them things with my vehicle there's just no way and and we have a great natural resource that is being depleted by commercial fishermen and these guys selling them to pay lakes and stuff and I'm not saying that they do away with commercial fishing or anything like that there's a place for that and and you can start by catching these uh, Asian carps and taking them to these these places these places that process them get rid of them things there is an overabundance of those so it's not that you can't do it but they're, they're, the, if they ever do pass laws like they have on Truman and Lake of the Ozarks, the problem I'm having is they're not trying to catch these guys breaking these laws, number one. Number two, if they catch them, the fines need to be substantial enough that they'll never want to do it again. I promise you, if you go down the road right now, and breaking a law is breaking a law. If you go down the road and you get caught doing 120 mile an hour, you're going to spend a night in jail and then the fine is going to be astronomical. Well, there's no difference in breaking that law than breaking a law catching a catfish. If you if the law says you're only allowed two over 34 inches, then if you have a third one in there, the you take them to jail, make them spend the night in jail, and make that a $1,000 fine for every fish they got over, or $100 an inch, or $100 an ounce, like they do turkeys or something like that. You have to make the, the, the penalty be as severe as it is with anything else. I can tell you right now, if they were over here poaching trout or steelhead in this state, they, <laughs> I don't know if they'd ever get out of jail. Well, and, and, <laughs> you know, I, I know guys that have, have read articles where guys have been caught uh, killing turkeys illegally and, and different things, and frog legs. The last I knew, if you got caught with illegal frog legs before season, it was $25 a leg. Oh, well, that's $50 a frog, and if you've got 100 frogs, that's a ton of money. You know, and if you get caught with an illegal turkey shot out of season, it was 25 or some dollars an ounce for that turkey. You're only going to shoot one of them illegally and get caught. You ain't going to do it again. And, and that's what they need to do with these catfish regulations. Make the fine so substantial that they either can't pay it or they got to set it out, or that if they do pay it, they ain't never going to do it again. I feel bad for getting your blood pressure all up now. You're all fired up. I, I am. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, I, I get wound up about this because our rivers need these regulations. And, and I can prove that very simply, Joe. The Missouri River, they knocked off commercial fishing on the Missouri River several years ago. And you look at what's being caught from St. Louis to Kansas City right now and look at some of them weigh-ins that Brad Kilpatrick's getting with Kansas City catfish. Look at some of them tournaments that they're fishing around Waverly and places like that. These guys are knocking out some fish that a few years ago, the only time you've seen fish like that caught in the state of Missouri was, was on the Mississippi River and, and now you see less of them caught on the Mississippi and more caught on the Missouri. And don't tell me they're traveling up and down that river in the summertime because they go down the river in the summertime and head south, and then they come back up in winter up there. Because so that ain't going to fly. But it made a huge difference on the the quality of fish and the number of breeding size fish that's on the Missouri River. And it will make a difference once all these states get together and get these regulations on that Mississippi River. And you'll still be able to keep as many or more fish 
you just you just got to turn back a few of the big ones and and preserve the the fish for for future generations. It's just that simple. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's a uh, that Kansas City tournament. That's the one they have with that what the ninety pounder they they had in the that was weighed in the tournament. That's, that's correct. Impressive. That, that, it is, and, and Wish I had that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? Uh, Chuck, what else you got for Joe? Uh, yeah, Joe, I was wanting to ask you about uh, some national trails are showing interest in Pennsylvania. Uh, it seems that uh, Cabela's, Cabela's King Cat has, has one coming to Chester on the on Delaware the River. The, the problem we've seen with a lot of these that we don't see uh, a lot of advertisement made to where a lot of people know that you know these events are happening. Um, what do you see can be done to uh, get these tournaments out there to let the the local guys know that there's a big uh, a big tournament trail coming to Pennsylvania to offer them a chance to fish these big tournaments and. Uh, now, what's a good way to get it out there so everybody know that it's going to be available next year? And what do you think about them making that move coming up there and fishing the Delaware River? Well, first of all, I mean, uh, kudos to them. I mean, that's awesome. I always like to hear good news like that. Um, I, I mean, what they need to do is uh, reach out to the people who people actually look to for catfishing information. You know, you guys obviously are a good uh, source of information for people. I try my best to keep up with everything. I really hadn't, that's the first I'd heard about that, so that's something I can share um, on my couple pages that I have, and then, you know, you know, you get one person to share it with two people, and they share it with two people, and they share it with two people. Before you know it, a couple thousand people know about the tournament, you know, so uh, the internet, obviously, I think is probably the best resource for that. Aaron Wheatley's got a unique setup over there where that city is completely 100% behind him and what he does, and that really, I think, facilitates him to be able to, to do the great things that he does, and, and kudos on them. I mean, I I can't say enough about, about that place. I, I was, I've never seen anything like it, but uh, it's just going to take a little bit of time and, and people like yourself and myself and others like us to get the word out, you know, and uh, I just I, it's not something... Well, maybe if they quit showing crappy on TV and start showing the catfishing tournaments, like you said uh, last week, uh, we'll get the word out. Yeah, this is the. Uh, it's going to be June 18th out of Chester, Pennsylvania, on the Delaware River. Um, for for these guys that uh, fish the Potomac River and maybe, uh, you know, Upper Virginia areas and all that, if they decide to, uh, you know, make a trip up there to fish that Cabela's. Uh, what type of fishery uh, can you tell them that is, and what what do what uh, would they expect to catch uh, in that area? Well, from talking to my buddy, I, I don't plan to be an expert over there. I don't go over there as much. But uh, Glenn Orr, who's my sponsor, uh, my my partner for Monsters, uh, he does, and he actually goes down and fishes the Potomac with those guys, and vice versa. So, uh, but he told I mean, it's I think it's Flathead and Channel Cat up there on the Delaware, I believe. Uh, Maybe somebody can hop on the chat and correct me if I'm wrong. From what he told me, that's what it is. And uh, did they say whether that's a nighttime tournament or a daytime tournament? Um, I'm not really sure. It's going to be June 18th. I don't know what they're venturing into. Um, if it's nighttime, then obviously they're going after flatheads. I mean, if it's daylight hours, then it's going to be probably mostly channels with some flatheads mixed in there. And uh, then that's, that's as far as I know. I don't know that there are blues in the, in the Delaware uh 
does, just know of the uh, flatheads and channel cats. Okay, uh, so you didn't know about the um, the Cabela's coming up that way? You know, I may have heard somebody mention it once or twice, but it wasn't something that I had, uh, uh, like, uh, maybe they said it's a possibility or they heard somebody talk about it or something like that. Um, but I got it written down now, that's for sure. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, you it's know, be a birthday it's present. It's, it's yeah, close to it's, my birthday. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome that it's going to be uh, start time 6.30 a.m., stop time 3 p.m., so it's going to be a day tournament. Um, you know, so these guys get a taste of this uh, Cabela's King Cat uh, that's coming to town, so uh, now's their chance. You know, the more participation that happens at these things, the, the, you know, the easier it's going to be for them to keep returning and coming back. Um, and I believe... The kind of uh, boat count y'all had, um, you know, up on the field in Stream Classic, I'm sure that, uh, you know, some of those guys. Pennsylvania is a pretty wide state. So, you know, from Pennsylvania to Pittsburgh, it's not like they're right next door to each other. Uh, you know, it's a pretty good cruise from one side to the other. What would it take to get from Pittsburgh to Pennsylvania? That's about a five-hour drive, I imagine, on yeah, Turnpike. So yeah, so, you know, the guys that live on the uh, west side, you know, to make that trip, that's going to be a, even though it's in their state, um, it would be some uh, some huge dedication to make that type of trip for that type of event, you know, a five or six hour trip for that. So, you know, if, if these guys do venture over for that, that'll be awesome. If if, the, if there's a big, you know, 50, 60 boat count on a, a Cabela's, event like this for their first time it will be awesome to start seeing that type of turnouts I agree sir that's right Cabela's Bass Pro call me we'll do it in Pittsburgh we'll make it happen give me a call <laughs> what, when's, when's, the, when's the last time uh, or do you remember one coming anywhere close to Pittsburgh uh, there's one down in Morgantown uh, I, I want to say that's a uh, I think it's a Cabela's yeah Morgantown Virginia yeah, uh, West Virginia, yeah. I believe. West Virginia. Yeah, and that's one of the uh, the point qualifiers for their national uh, championship too. So I know of that one. I think that's the closest one that I know of to this area, and that's about an, that's actually two hour drive. So that ain't that's not too bad. That's a far cry less than what you drove down to see Aaron Wheatley. Well, Aaron, that's a pretty far cry awesome thing they got going on over there in Kentucky to make me go that far cry west. It is, and, and every, every time we talk about it, I know, I don't know how far you went, but I know it was a long drive, and those boys from Maryland and up in there, they come down and drove uh, 12, 13 hours to get to that tournament, and, and yeah. that in itself just tells you the quality of event that is put on down there. I'll tell you what, sir, that, I can't say enough good things about Glenn Orr. Uh, you know, we got a got in touch a couple weeks before the tournament. I was so excited because I don't got a boat. You know, I just got this house, I got a truck, and I got a wife, so I ain't got a boat yet. But uh, I'm working on it. But uh, he asked me, you know, we we're talking. He says, uh, "Going to the monsters?" I said, you know, kind of sheepishly and embarrassedly. I'm like, "No, I ain't got a boat," and you know, nobody went, you know, asked me. And uh, he said, "Well, you know." Uh, Maybe we should go, and I was like, "Well, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see if we can make it happen." And uh, we made it happen, and I'm um, so appreciative because he drove. 
I think his total drive for coming to pick me up, because he had to go about a half hour out of his way each way, that had about, tacked about another hour onto his trip. Uh, it had to been close to 12 or 13 hours, uh, and it was it was a good nine hours from here. So, and he I think he had another four hours to get back home. So, I mean, that's some dedication and uh, impressive. And I uh, can't say I really, really can't say enough good things about him and his stepson Gavin that we had on the boat. That was <laughs> that kid was uh, awesome to have on the boat, and they, they were both super cool and uh, really great to fish with. I wish we'd put a couple, you know, some more stuff in the boat. But you know, talk about getting there, getting out pre-fishing, just have a positive attitude the whole time, and just making a good time of it, man. It was awesome. I really thank you so much, Mr. Glenor, and uh, that was really awesome for uh, letting me be on your boat for that tournament. I really appreciate it. Well, you know what? I, I have to commend you and Glenn both for bringing his son down to that tournament. There is uh, so many worse things that young people can get involved in, and, and as you know and, and a lot of other people know, uh, one of the things or a couple of the things that really – uh, I'm high on on catfishing is the fact that we're trying to get women and kids involved in the sport. We work very hard at that, and that young man made that long trip back and forth. He sat in the boat with you guys when, when you pulled up to me and we was all fishing for bait. I was thrilled with the fact that you had him in the boat, and, and that's an outstanding thing because, like I say, there's so many things worse than catfishing that these kids can be doing, and, and he'll make friends and acquaintances catfishing that he never will make playing video games. I can guarantee you. I mean, uh, Jason Kittner was uh, pounding around with him the whole time. He was, he was pretty happy <laughs> about that. And well, now, I'm not real sure of that. <laughs> Jason Kittner is is a is something else. He is a great guy. He's a good ambassador for the sport. And if that young man will buddy up to Jason Kittner, he'll learn how to catch some fish. All right. You know what's cool about that about that that young man Gavin is uh so we're going around this, the whole three days. He's like, oh, I know that boat. I've seen it in videos. I know who that is. He did, he did this and he did that. And I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, oh. I know that guy. I see him do this. I seen him weigh-in at this tournament. So he's on there. He's watching these guys, and uh, I'm just so happy that there's so many good people involved in the sport. That that kid has so many good people to look up to, and and uh, and, uh, and everything, because that's just awesome, you know. Because uh, it was pretty impressive, and sometimes borderline pretty funny at times. But you know, just to hear him just stop in the middle of a sentence and say, "Oh, I know that boat. I seen it," you know, and uh, it was a it was a good time, really good time. That's great. That's just outstanding, you know. And like I say, we're all thrilled with the fact that 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 you brought him down there, and, and it's really really cool that that he enjoyed himself and 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 stayed in the boat and done all the stuff. And uh, you know, he'll be back. You guys are coming. I know you'll be back. You can't go to the monster. Going to the monsters on the Ohio is kind of like eating Lay's potato chip. You can't <laughs> just do it once. You know, once you're there, you got to keep going back. Is that not right, Chuck? That's right. I mean, it, it, you you might you might experience a little hardship for a month or two after, uh, <laughs> but you're you're gonna go. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely a premier event, and uh, I mean, it's I'm right now I'm politicking trying to get down to that and the uh, the one that's going to be forming up uh, with your guest last week down there in the Mississippi. So uh, I'm I'm politicking trying to get down there next year as well. You know, George Georgia. Put, is putting together what I feel like will probably be, and the only reason it, 
that I say this is because it's going to be on the Mississippi River, and that's such a great fishery. But he probably is going to have the biggest catfish tournament that's ever been held, and he's got a number to shoot at. Aaron Wheatley made that statement. He is 100% correct. Uh, with 182 boats uh, entered in Moscow, Ohio, George has got a number to shoot for, but I look for him to have over 200 boats, and, and it being on the Mississippi River and right there at Memphis and with all the stuff that's going to be going on, uh, I, I feel like that is very possible. But one of the things that, that I will mention that I think uh, will make and has made an outstanding difference for what George is doing is the fact that he contacted Aaron uh, to help him set this thing up or get information or guidance or whatever you want to call it. And Aaron was, was good enough to say, okay, yeah, here, here's, here's what works, here's what don't work, here's what I'd recommend, here's what I don't think you should do. These guys are working together. This will be two of the biggest tournaments of 2016, and you got two of the premier guys putting it on and helping each other. You know, uh, George was at the Monsters. He'll be at the Monsters next year. Aaron's going to be up there, and he's not going to fish the tournament. He's going to help George make this tournament the best they can. These guys are working together, and this is what all these tournament directors need to do. They need to get together and all work together. Uh, something we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks is rule unification. Um, it needs to happen, at least to a certain degree, and, and we're going to be discussing this a little more. But uh, this, these things, we've got to get a handle on some of this to keep catfishing growing and going in the right direction. And George and, and Aaron are making that happen uh, by working together, and, and there's no reason why all these guys can't do the same thing. I mean, I agree. That's why I got in contact with Ben Sladek, who does the field and stream, and I do my tournament. I, the way I look at it is the only way we're going to make it grow is instead of competing against each other is working together. And, That's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, you know there's some, some just recently there's been a lot of important points made that I really agree with wholeheartedly about getting a lot of the drama out of the sport because it's hard to grow when you got people bickering at each other for kind of selfish and childish things. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, he uses this. I, I, I don't like him because he uses this, this equipment, or I don't like him because he uses that equipment. I mean, how, how silly is that? You know, very silly, you know. So uh, I'm glad that uh, there was a lot of stuff done the last couple of weeks to kind of get, that, get at, that out of the way, and you don't have to worry about who you're talking to and what equipment they're using. You can just talk to buddies and, you know, fellow catfishermen and have a good time, uh, right. you know, because uh, that's the way this, you know, we've got to do it. Uh, it's you know and, it, and we talk about young kids too that sets a bad example for them too you know <laughs> you know it's what's good is you know you talk to people because of the character of the person and and, and, and not the you know the shirt he wears or, or the, the fishing rod he uses so uh, that's it was really cool I was glad to see it because I mean you guys know as well as I do you guys are doing this longer than me it seems like forever there's always been some kind of drama in the background stirring stuff up you know and it's glad to start seeing get that kicked out of places, you know, where it belongs. So oh, yeah. uh, that's real good, too. Some really good things have happened over the past month that I'm really excited about. And, you know, when I first got involved with catfishing, I had quite a few people tell me this exact thing. Um, and they wasn't friends or nothing. They said, look, um, if you start getting into this really well, you're going to have to pick sides and don't burn no bridges. 
And I'm like, Pig Friday, are we, are we like going to be in gangs here or are we going to be catfishing? You know, I didn't understand what they were talking about. And then, um, you know, after some things that happened over the past month and it's really cleared a lot of people's heads and, um, you know, I think everybody's going to be able to just forget about the past and move on to where everybody's wanting to head now. And that's a big thing that me and Lyle talked about that we want to accomplish with Catfish Weekly if we accomplished anything else. And that was to make catfishing united. Everybody, everything was united. So, um, you know, we, we put a lot into that. And, um, you know, that's what Catfish Weekly is all about. Um, if you're a free range, rod and reel, catfishing angling sportsman you're welcome to be part of our family <laughs> that's awesome um so yeah man it was great having you on tonight man and uh i've been waiting to ask you all these questions i just didn't get to spend enough time with you in uh in owensboro to ask you all this i know i picked your brain a little bit because i was interested in uh how all of a sudden Big flatheads ended up in Pennsylvania. Nobody knew they were there, and I got to load down <laughs> on that. And um, so, you know, when when I found out, you know, I I knew everybody was saying Joe, and uh, when I found out you was the one that was on the cooking show, it rang a bell right then. I mean, that that clicked on me. And um, you know, I asked you. I said, "Which one of you guys was on the cooking show?" Because I knew it was you. And you're like, "That was me." Yeah, that was <laughs> after like, we'd oh, already yeah. uh, spent all night at the captain's meeting. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't figure that out till after we were at the weigh-in. Oh yeah, yeah I didn't. Have, you, had, you had the sunglasses and everything on, and right. I, I had to turn my back to you to face the stage. Yeah. And and I would turn around, and Jason was on this side, so you was kind of behind me the whole time. And I was like a third wheel. Yeah, we. I was, <laughs> uh, Gavin uh, was stealing everybody's attention. Um, I mean, he's the man. Gavin is. He, he. Um, you know, me and him are buddies too. He's buddies with everybody. He looks forward up to so many people, and you've just got to set the greatest example in the world around these younger guys, because, you know, they're walking around looking up at us, and they're thinking we're the greatest things in the world, the greatest thing that ever happened, and. You know, we're really nothing, but to them we're great. So we should feel good about that and give back and, um, you know, put what they think we are, you know, make ourselves great for them and make this sport great for them to move on into when it's time. I agree. You think they're not watching, but I guarantee you they're watching every little thing you do. That's for sure. I'm so impressed at the fact that you said that you said a while ago that, that Gavin – would see a boat and he said, well, that's such and such and that's such and such. You know, to, to, he's, I don't know how old he is. He's not very old. And for him to have knowledge of who's in what boat by watching videos and, and stuff that people post on Facebook is pretty impressive. I'll tell you he what, did, he, he knew more than I did. He knew, <laughs> he knew exactly who I was. That's and awesome. Like, really? You know, and that's before uh, I, I, I was introduced to uh, his dad. So, um, that's, that's know, pretty like, amazing. yeah, we was outside and I mean, I was standing around him and his dad, but I hadn't been introduced to him yet. And I'm like, where do I know you from? If you know me, you know, he, he's an awesome little guy. And 
he just loves catfishing so much. And uh, as long as these guys are out doing this instead of uh, sitting in their rooms playing video games and, you know, getting into the drug scenes and the gang fighting and the bullying and everything that's going on in school and, and grow up some good old kids, their their lives are going to be on, on track. You bet and they're going to be heading where they need to be. You bet you. Well, listen, guys, we've been going on about an hour, 20 minutes on the show. Uh, as with every week, Joe, we offer you the, the time to talk about any uh, upcoming events you have in your area or sponsors or people you just want to talk about before we close out the show. And, and at this time, if you have anything that you want to talk about, it, it, here it is. All right. Uh, I think... Uh George Young said it best last week. I just appreciate all the uh, companies that are making this sport, you know, great like it is. Uh, you know, there are a couple bigger companies, but it's mostly smaller companies and people doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes, and uh, that's really awesome. I have a couple in particular. Uh, just, I have my personal sponsors. I don't have much. Uh, Denali Rods and Thrasher Sports Apparel, those guys have been, uh, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate enough for them to uh, put faith in me and what I do, and then I have, of course, the uh, couple of these you might be re uh, recognize from my tournaments: uh, Black Horse Custom Rods from Mr. Lyle Stokes, Whiskerware Apparel, Bottom Dwellers Tackle, Rip and Lips, Drift Brothers Tackle, Drift Master Rod Holders, and Cat River Anchors. Those companies, right there, are the reason why I'm able to put on a tournament here, you know, at all. And, get, and it's really, you know, you can talk about money and stuff, but boy, when you have awesome products that these you yourself and these other companies donate that's what really draws the people in and that's what's really growing and, and uh, fueling the uh, growth of the tournament scene here in Pennsylvania and I just wanted to give a special thanks to uh, Matt McIntyre who couldn't be on here tonight and Glenn Orr uh, for uh, taking me on as his partner for Monsters of Ohio and uh, little Gavin over there for uh, making it a fun time I appreciate it that's outstanding, Joe. We appreciate you being on the show so much, and, and thanks a lot. And I'm sure we'll be visiting with you again. Uh, at this time, Chuck, if you've got anything that you want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, those of y'all who wondered where the, uh, the last tournament on the Alabama Catfish Trail went, we had planned to fish. Uh, Daniel planned a, a big Alabama River uh event that a lot of us has been dying to go down the Alabama River because of the huge flatheads, the state records from down there, and the Alabama come down with this less cut cost and start shutting down all these state parks, so the place we had planned to go out of down there, uh, one of the really only boat-friendly places that would have really been able to hold a tournament, um, they decided to shut it down. Uh, so that kind of killed the last tournament for him, but he's having a makeup tournament on November 7th in Scottsboro, Alabama to make up for it. So it's uh, everybody's last time for this year to get together. Um, it's going to be at Scottsboro. You can go to the site to see the exact location on the address and all, and it's going to be a day tournament from 7 to 4. And um, I don't know if I'll be able to make it yet. I'm going to try real hard, but He's changing some things around for 2016. The 2015 rules are going to apply, but after the tournament, he's going to be announcing the changes that he's going to be made. And if he's making changes, they're going to be for the better. So I'm real eager to see what he's got in store for uh, everyone next year that's going to be fishing his trail. 
All right. Well, there's a couple things that I want to go over with. Uh, uh, number one, this has been a really uh, great tournament season for everybody nationwide. I, uh, from from the big tournaments that Brad Kilpatrick has put on at Kansas City Catfish and the 98-pound fish that they put in the boat up there the other day, them guys really got it going on. Uh, George Young announcing what he's got going, and, and uh, of course the Monsters on the Ohio and everything in between. We had a pretty good season between Cindy and I, and, and we're very happy with what we had with the limited amount of time we had. Um, the thing that I want to touch on just for a second has nothing to do with catfishing. It's a personal note of mine. Um, I uh, celebrating my 58th birthday today, and the number of people that have sent me messages and private messages and posted on Facebook and sent me emails and stuff. I cannot tell you guys what that means to me. It, it's just, uh, it's a really huge deal. And um, I was fortunate enough to have my son and another guy come over that was doing some work on our house yesterday and we had a little uh, fish and pecan pie, which is uh, what I get other than than uh, birthday cakes. I get pecan pies and I used to eat the whole thing and now I can only have a little piece of it once in a while but that's okay. You know, I, I still enjoy it. It was a, a great day uh, that we had and uh, tonight I got the rest of my um, birthday present along with some chicken and I got me this which will last me a long time but I'm going to enjoy it very much. So <laughs> From everyone here at Catfish Weekly, Joe Gordon, thank you so much. And from Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes, and thanks for watching.